RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome in to a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is the interview edition of the show, and I've got a five-pack A fire interview is coming up here on this edition of the podcast. You're going to hear from a man who is coming off a victory at UFC Vegas number 60, getting his first win inside the UFC. Trey Ogden, as he will talk about his win against Daniel Zell Huber. Of course, he was a three to one betting underdog in that one. And maybe one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation is talking about while the the commentators, maybe a lot of us felt it was a slow pace from his opponent in the first round. He talks about why he feels it was not a slow pace and was more about some of the things that he was doing to slow down what Zellberger did in that matchup. Then you're going to hear from fighters who are all be a part of this week's Bellator 286. You're going to hear from J.J. Wilson, who was taking on Vladimir Tokov on the in a lightweight matchup. It'll be the second lightweight matchup for J.J. Wilson. A good portion of this conversation has to talk about the changes that J.J. Wilson has made since his last fight there back in March. Of course, that was his lightweight debut in Bellator. Lost a decision in that matchup. And that big change is the fact of he has moved from California to Florida. Now training at American Top Team. Then you're going to hear from two fighters that are going to be key against each other. First, you'll hear from Mike Hamill, who's taking on Max Roshkoff. Of course, Max will be making his Bellator debut. I had a chance to talk to both of those guys. You'll hear from Mike talk about uh, what has been going on with him. It's been 10 months since his last fight. Talks about the injury that he had that he had to get corrected following his last fight. Then, of course, you hear from Max making his Bellator debut. Of course, everyone remembers Max from the one fight that he had in the UFC. So talk to him about what's been happening with him. He's won back-to-back fights uh, in Cage Warriors, but it is his first fight in over here. He's had some canceled matchups, just ultimately didn't come together and spoke to him about what has been going on with him. And then a final interview will be with Lance Gibson Jr., who has gone through an opponent change on this fight card. He's initially supposed to take on Chris Avila. He's now taking on Dominic Clark, so I had a chance to uh, catch up with him, talk to him about uh, how that altered his preparation for this one also we talked about his love for fishing in that conversation of course all those interviews come up here in a moment appreciate taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast of course new podcasts come out every sunday and every wednesday the sunday edition this edition of the show is the interview edition of the show the midweek edition of the show is myself and Daniel Galvan talk about the latest and greatest going on in the world of mixed martial arts course on Friday afternoon. It was Bellator 286. Benson Henderson goes out there and uh, has a great performance against Peter Queeley. It's a unanimous decision win for him. Uh, 49-45 across all three judges' scorecards. He was deducted a point in the fight due to a low blow. That, oh man, what a low blow that was. Benson Henderson really puts himself, uh, you know, I mean, look, he, 
you know, the lightweight division is going to be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. But, you know, he uh, puts himself in a good position. I thought probably the, the biggest thing leading into this matchup was this was the first fight of Benson's new deal with Bellator, which I saw, I forget who I saw noted this on, I think it was uh, Jose Youngs of MMAfighting.com who noted this during the fight that Benson Henderson's tenure in Bellator is now longer than his tenure in the UFC, which I thought was absolutely crazy. But Benson Anderson talked about how he signed a new four fight deal. This is a final fight, the final contract of his fight career. He's going to have these four fights and he's going to walk away. Of course, obviously he's got a goal of becoming that Bellator lightweight champion. Uh, co-main event, Yoel Romero got the win there against Melvin Manhoff. I thought Yoel was going to pull off the submission there uh, in the first round. I, I do want to say, I think we got to give some kudos to the Bellator uh, production staff. I thought they did a really good job of, of telling the story after that fight was over uh, of Melvin Manhoff, this being his last fight, which, I mean, look, you know me, I don't believe that R word. He may be 46 years old, but still, uh, you know, I necessarily don't believe that retirement word, but it really did look like Melvin Manhoff it is truly done in terms of combat sports. This guy's 46 years old and fighting for over 30 years. So uh, you would have to believe probably it is going to be the last time we see him in there. But I'll tell you, you know, my biggest takeaway. Uh, so I'm sitting here in, in the home office on Friday. I'm, I'm doing some production work. And I've got the Bellator fights on, had the, the prelim card up, and, and of course the main card. And during the main card, when I'm watching the McCourt and Silva matchup, which, by the way, I don't think Liam McCourt won that fight. I thought Silva, you uh, should have gotten the decision win in that one, which I think pretty much everyone felt that she should she got the win. But, you know, as I'm, I'm watching that fight, all I can think about is, and the Bellator women's featherweight division, as I am a voter in the Bellator ranking system, there is currently only six challengers we can rank with Cyborg being the champion. And I'm watching this fight and I'm just going, who does Bellator have under their roster that makes you believe that they, that someone out there can challenge Chris Cyborg. And I just, I don't see it. Uh, I know Cyborg did an interview. Of course, she's having her professional boxing debut this weekend, or she's fighting um, uh, in a boxing matchup on Sunday down in Brazil. But I know there was an article that came out, and she's basically saying that uh, Castingano just doesn't want the fight. I mean, that's, that's basically, and the one thing that was very clear to me about Chris Cyborg and, and everything that's kind of happened with her over the past couple of months, like it's very clear to me, like she's going to return to Bellator. I would really be surprised if she doesn't return to Bellator. And, and I'm just looking at this women's featherweight division. And obviously the Zagano fight is a fight that I would say intrigues me. I don't think Kat Singano can beat her. I, I think she'll she'll defeat Kat Singano. But then I'm like, man, there's just not a lot out there for Chris Cyborg. And that's why I think as combat sports fans, we just hope that somehow this Cyborg-Kayla Harrison match could come together. May Bellator and PFL can put something together there in, in terms of putting that one there. But like that was, to me, my, my biggest takeaway watching the fights was just like, Man, what gets you really interested that Bellator has under contract right now to fight Chris Cyborg? And outside of Zingano, and I think that's more about the name value than anything else. There's just not a lot out there 
that really intrigues me about Chris Cyborg and potential opponents uh, inside that Bellator cage. But uh, let's get right into the interview edition of the show. Uh, and you're going to hear these, these these interviews back to back to back to back to back. Up uh, first, you're going to hear the conversation that I had with Trey Ogden. Then it'll be J.J. Wilson, then Mike Campbell, then Max Roscoff, and then it'll wrap up there with Lance Gibson Jr. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory this past weekend as he was a massive betting underdog, which he put that on his Instagram. Let everyone know that he was aware of that, Trey. I appreciate that. You know, your Instagram post on that was, I was the biggest underdog in the card against an undefeated prospect, but winners win simple, not easy, nothing sexy, just dirty, hard work. First round, I, I got. I mean, I'm, I'm going back and I'm watching this fight. And I were you surprised how slow of a pace that that your opponent was bringing here? Um, not necessarily because if uh, the more he pressured, the more uh, of a chance there was that I was going to take him down. And there's a feeling out process there, you know. Um, a lot of feints. It's it's a slow pace because people only count striking as the pace. But if you look at the amount of feints and reads and small gestures between us, and if you just watch our feet, it's not a slow at all. It's not slow at all. I think to me it was more about the lack of offensive attacks that he was coming with. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to be in range. You have to have an angle, and you have to see a strike before you can throw it. So if every time he's got me lined up, I move a little or I faint a little or I level change. Um, and then every time he did he did come in and he thought he had me found, I, I countered him with the hook, and those are not soft punches. So, you know, if you watch my fight with J.J. Okonovich, it's the same thing. You have a really aggressive, really exciting fighter gets in front of me, and they don't know what to do. How much of being that big of an underdog was was motivation for you? Not that much. I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't even know until fight week, and then I realized on fight week as I was scrolling through the fight card to see what number I was on the card so I could figure out what time I was going to fight. And then I saw it. So, like, up until that point, I had no idea. Um I was very confident in what I was doing in training, so I didn't feel like the underdog to myself, you know. I, I feel like as much as James is involved on the betting side of the sport, that he might have used that as, as a little motivation for you in this camp. Yeah, he, I'm obviously he had to know because he is into that, but he didn't. He never brought it up to me once. Um, I'm not into the betting thing, so I, I was just completely uh, unaware of it. So, um but uh, it didn't matter to me once I saw that. I got a lot more out of that after the fight, after I won, because it was like, you know, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me why I was the biggest underdog, but it is what it is. I mean, is, is it one of those things of uh, all your friends that made money on you go, hey, man, where, where's my cut of that, that, that piece? Uh, you know, like, I did the work no, here. <laughs> not at all, because if they bet on me when I was the biggest underdog, they deserve the money. And if you bet on me when uh, or bet against me and you lost your money, you deserve that, too. They, they talk about expectations in a fight and ultimately how it plays out. What was there? Were you, did it play out the way you expected it to play out? Or, or, you know, did Daniel offer you some, some things you weren't expecting? His takedown defense was better than I thought it was, was going to be. Um, I thought that if I got to his hips, I'd for sure take him down. Um, but when I realized how much energy I would have to put out to take him down I, and I, and how well the striking was going, I didn't really need to take him down. And so, I didn't really force the issue, but that kind of surprises me that I didn't because that really was my game plan. Um, but sometimes you're in a fight and you're just feeling the fight, and I was super present with myself and super present with him and super present with the fight. And so I felt the route to victory in the fight and just executed it. When you went back and you watched your performance and you're evaluating how you did, like 
is there something that, that sticks out to you above all else? Um, the, uh, yeah, the high level footwork and fainting. Um, it's, it's going to be underappreciated because it takes a trained eye to just see what I did. But if you know how good, if you go back and watch his last five fights and you see how he looks striking everybody else, and then you see what happened. He didn't have no octagon jitters. He, in the first round, early on, we were fainting and feeling and reading, and he just smiled at me. He just smirked like, like I, like he was like, I got you. Like you know what I mean? He was feeling himself in there. That kid was confident. He was on a twelve plus fight winning streak. He handled himself well against Almeida in the contender series. It's it's uh, you know I'm most happy with the with the feints, reads, footwork, body positioning. Uh, you know, if you go back and watch, that's a master class in footwork and fainting. And, of course, you, you get the win there, and you're now 4-1 in your last five. You know, and when I think of a, a nickname for you, I think the Marathon Man, just because of, of your, your Instagram yeah, handle. Marathon, but, let's go. But uh, Samurai Ghost, where does this come from? <laughs> Samurai Ghost uh, is given to me by the fight gods. Oh, no. Sorry about that. I guess my stuff's not on Do Not Disturb. No, it's all good. Yeah, uh, you, 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 yeah, you said about it came from the it, MA gods? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, the fight gods gave it to me. It's a story for a different day, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was given to me by by whatever whatever it is out there. Do you like and that it nickname? Shown, it was shown to me from wherever. You know, where do you get? Where God, if you will, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, but it was shown to me at a certain point that if I was uh, that I was basically possessed by a samurai ghost, the ghost of a dead samurai, and that um, if if I were to allow that I had was kind of resisting this, and that if I were to allow myself to be in alignment with that, that um, no no other warrior spirit could stand to mine in the cage. Like I saw that in a deep vision before the Okanovich fight, a year before the Okanovich fight. And then I got injured and injured and injured and injured and then ended up in the Okanovich fight uh, on looking for a fight on my birthday, um, like almost a year to the date that I had this vision. And uh, and when I was in the Okanovich fight, the, uh, the visual part of the vision literally happened right in front of my eyes. And if you go back and watch when I was talking about fighting Okanovich before, I called exactly like exactly what would happen to the minute it would happen. It was a wild experience. So uh, I stay in alignment with the ghost and these guys, they can't do anything to me. You know, generally speaking, we're talking about next fight, you know, three, four months, but uh, you do have a major life event happening here in December with a, a expecting a baby. Yeah, so how, how does that play into your, your timeline on when the next fight will take place? Yeah, obviously I think it would be best if it took place after that. And uh, I don't really want to be in a fight camp for the birth of my child. And I don't really want to be in a fight camp the first month of the birth of my child. You know, that's, uh, so at the level I'm at now, these fight camps are hard. There are a lot of sacrifice. They're very stressful. I run the gym full time on top of it and have my fighters I'm coaching on top of it. So to, uh, to deal with that right after doing a form of fight camp to turn right back into another one, it would be my entire wife's pregnancy that I was in a fight camp. When I'm in a fight camp, I'm gone. So it's, I got to check into this situation, you know, and, uh, and do that. So we'll see what spring looks like for me, but, uh, you know, it's hard to say. It, it almost makes me wonder, has she had that conversation of like Trey? Not um, at all. Not really? At all. I have the most supportive wife of all time. She doesn't complain. She, she would never bring it up, but you know, I'm pretty present with myself and, you know, I understand that when I'm in a fight camp, I can feel myself mentally starting to be a little more distant from everything else in my life. Mm-hmm. 
because of the extreme focus and seriousness of it. Um, so it's something that like, I don't really want to put myself right back into that with this other event going on. So, but, um, you know, I'm not really, uh, telling the UFC at this level <laughs> what I'm doing. So yeah. I don't, you know, whatever it is, what it is, we'll see what they're thinking. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll hear something at some point soon. You mentioned about, you know, the, the fight game's a stressful time. Like how yeah. do you kind of like find that, that level balance in, in a training camp? There is no balance in a training camp. That's my point. <laughs> you know, there is, this is not a balanced lifestyle. This is, being an active UFC fighter is a pretty extreme lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is no balance in that you're, when you're in a fight camp, you're, uh, I don't, I'm not an athlete. I don't think of myself like an athlete. So I'm not like workout and then workouts over. I'm a soldier training for war and I'm about to deploy. And this is combat to me mm-hmm. and it is combat. Um, and so I take it serious. Like it's combat. This is my brain on the line. This is this guy's brain on the line. These fights aren't free. This is real. And the fight camps are real and cutting weight is real. So, you know, when that's the level of seriousness I approach my training with, and when I have a fight scheduled at that moment, pretty much everything else stops existing to me, and that's what I'm locked into. So um, that was my 30th fight between amateur and pro. I'm going to need a little bit more of a season. I'm 33. I'm about to turn 33. I'm going to need a little bit more of a season in between. You know, I used to just go fight camp, fight. One week later, I'm bored. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. You know, I know I have no direction. I don't know what to do. But I got a lot more on my plate now and a lot more things, a lot more responsibility with my fight team. You know, when I'm in a fight camp, uh, the guys that I have fight coming up, you know, they have sacrifices too because coaches in a fight camp. So, you know, there's a lot that goes with that. So, um, you know, I have to, I have a lot of other responsibilities as well. So like I said, though, um, the UFC doesn't care what I think they're going to send what they're going to send and when they're going to send it. So we'll see what's up. I, I did notice on your Instagram, you, you did throw that nugget out there about, you know, 30, 32 professional fights, never miss weight. It, it almost seemed like you were kind of, was that almost kind of like a way to even tell your own fight team? Like, Hey, this, this is what, this is what we signed up to do. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, it's a special marker to me. You know, I had nine amateur fights. I was eight and one as an amateur. This is 21 pro fights. It's my 30th fight. It's hard not to notice that, you know, that's a, that's a cool number for me. That's a lot of, a lot of fights. I've never missed weight. Um, so yeah. In, in terms of, you know, you mentioned about that fight team, who, who are some of those guys on the fight team that, that have got a fight going up here? Yeah. So coming up next is October 7th on FAC UFC fight pass. So we have Zach Strogan. He was an undefeated amateur. I think he's two or three, and know, is a pro, uh, undefeated pro. His last one was on uh, Dana White's looking for a fight when he was at FAC. So um, he's up next. And then um, Nick Mech is also on the card. These are uh, my two welterweight pros. Uh, Nick Mech was an undefeated uh, amateur, and he is an undefeated pro at 2 or 3-0 as well. So they're right at that same spot. So both those guys are fighting next. How is your mentality different as the coach versus being the fighter in there? What do you mean? You know, in terms of like, like, like on game day, like when I'm yeah. coaching them, or like, yeah, like, do you find yourself viewing things differently? Well, I definitely view things differently when, I, as a coach, because I fought so much and because I am active, so I really understand mm-hmm. what it feels like to be backstage. I just did it, you know. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I really understand what it feels like to cut weight. I know what the fight day jitters are. I I know what it feels like to be in a fight and. um uh, you know, so like, but when I'm fighting, I'm also different as a fighter now because, um, 
as uh, watching uh, someone else go through that process as a coach, like also allows me to reflect on my process as well Mm -hmm. and give me so much more self-awareness through watching them and their journeys. It's made me a better fighter. It's made me uh, better. So I think both make me better at both all along. I've pretty much viewed it as the same mission. You know, when I was a kid doing traditional martial arts, I decided I wanted to dedicate my life to martial arts and have a dojo and teach for a living. I didn't really know about competing at the time. I didn't know about, you know, I was doing like karate and stuff, but as time went, you know, then I got into competition too, but this has always been like one thing to me, master martial arts and teach it. So, um, all of it complements all of it. And of course, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Congratulations on, on the victory, man. Uh, of course, uh, let me know they can find you on social media and anything else you want to mention, man. Yeah. Uh, marathon underscore MMA on Instagram. That's where I'm at. Glory MMA Overland Park. I'm on the mats every night teaching. If you're in the, uh, Overland Park, Kansas area, come check me out. Let's go. Joining me now here on the MMA Report, a man steps back inside the Bellator cage here, October the 1st, Bellator 286, JJ Wilson, I appreciate the time. You know, I was going through your Instagram and uh, you've had some changes uh, since the last time that uh, you stepped inside competition as you are now living here in my home state of Florida. You made that transition. You got a job over here at a gym in, in South Florida. What kind of ultimately led to that decision? Uh, there was many, many things. Um you know, what I mean, I love my team back in in, in California, um, but there was there was lots of things going on in my life that um, you know I needed a change, especially after that loss. I was like, you know, I, I went back to the drawing board and really thought about about some things, and I was like, you know, I, I really need a change. I need a um, I need something new. I need more MMA sparring partners, and um, so I decided to make the move over over here and and take a job teaching and also uh start training at american top team so um you know where, where there's lots of guys on the same journey you know um i feel like if you have a goal you got to surround yourself with the people with the same goals and i thought you know american top team there's you know there's so many people there where the goal is to be a mma world champion you know we so hear that's you know we hear I mean, that that journey word all the time in the sport like, like, as you think about your journey to this point, how would you describe it? Um, unique. You know, my, my, my journey has been, I've been very fortunate um, with the opportunities that have been presented to me throughout my journey. Um, you know, I've been, uh, I've almost, you know, been holding, being handed like a golden platter every single time I've been, I've been, given really great opportunities that, uh, you know, when opportunity meets preparation, it's, it's perfectly matched. So, um, you know, I, f- I feel like my, my journey so far was very, very fortunate. You know, I think people could look at hearing you talking about this journey and, you know, maybe they say you're on chapter two, chapter three with, you know, now moving in Florida. Also, I think part of that equation is now being at lightweight, second time at lightweight. Do you and I know I've talked to other fighters that, you know, they make a change from a weight class and and they, they talk about like finding that sweet spot in terms of a, a walking around weight. Like, do you feel like now this being a second camp at, at 155 that you're you've kind of found where you need to be? Yeah, so at 155, I'm not cutting drastic weight. And uh, I don't know why, but my body has a hard time losing weight. Like, um, I, I get to a threshold, and once I hit that threshold, I, I, my, it doesn't matter how much 
how much bath, how much sauna, how much working out I do, my body just doesn't sweat anymore past that past that certain point. Um, so like I'm not a big 155er, but it's it's not easy, but it's it's like not a super difficult cut for my body. So I feel a lot more comfortable at uh, 155 where I'm not cutting much to um, to to cutting down to 145. You had an Instagram post uh, after your last fight where you said, win, lose, or draw. I do this because I love the sport. I went out there, done my best. Thank you to all my friends, family, and sponsors. I will be back. In terms of your love for this sport, was that a, a love that was instant, or, or did it take some time? Uh, my love for the sport was kind of... My thing is I don't like to lose. So I think I fell in love with the ability to always come back and win. You know what I mean? Like uh, when I first started, I got I got beat, and I was like, I, I didn't really love it. I was like, you know, I want to beat these guys. Uh, I had that drive to be able to beat my training partners, and then um, and then when I got good enough that I was beating those training partners that were beating me when I started, I was like, okay, I kind of love this now. <laughs> and then and then you know I went to a deeper pool. You know what I mean? I went to a deeper pool with better guys. And then, you know, they're beating me again. I was like, you know what? I'm going to love this when I can beat those guys. And then I started beating those guys and I'm like, you know, I, I love it. So I always looking for a deeper pool, deeper pool. Cause I want to be the best in the world, you know? So I fell in love with the, I fell in love with the ability of trying to beat people. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I fell in love with the sport. Yeah. I don't think anyone likes to lose. I, I, yeah. I, I've, I've yet to meet that person like the Lex Lose, which makes me think about, I, I know that, that uh, you put on your Instagram about uh, you and your wife just celebrated your anniversary. It made me, yeah. it, so like if you're, you know, you're hanging home with a wife and let's just say we're playing some type of game around the house. Is that same competitive fire there? Well, my, my wife is really, really competitive, like super competitive. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If we're like, even if we're just cleaning the house, she's got to clean better than me. You know what I mean? So like we, 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 uh, we clash a lot cause we're real competitive. So in games, uh, yeah, we, 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 we collide a lot. Uh, she's like one day she always says to me one day I'm going to submit you. They say, when you submit me, I'll give you, I'll give you a million dollars. The goal is to beat me, but uh, you know, it's, um, but I, 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 you know, me and her are both super competitive. In terms of, of this matchup, though, um, second fight lightweight, as we mentioned, you're taking on uh, Tokov here. You know, six and one, obviously a very uh, a talented fighter. Like, mm -hmm. how's your your view of this fight in terms of, of what you're expecting him to to bring to you? Um, Tokov is a, is a talented fighter. You know, he's got a good record. He's you know he's had some he had some uh, good fights against you know some game opponents um he's definitely a gamer you know he's good everywhere but he's not super dangerous anywhere um i feel like he's not gonna want to fight he's more of a competitor so he's gonna come in there he wants to compete with me but he doesn't want to fight me mm -hmm. so um i feel like that's gonna be the the dynamic of the fight um you know i think it's gonna be very similar to my to my last fight, I think that my last fight, the guy was a better wrestler than he was. Um, so, but you know, I think their style is going to be very similar. Um, so, you know, we, we've came up, we've come up with some plans to kind of dissect him and, and, and make him 
have to fight because you know i'm a guy who loves to fight and when somebody brings a fight to me i dive um and if someone's being competitive and and they're just trying to win around um you know that's kind of that's kind of where i kind of get frustrated i kind of go out of my game a little bit because the guy is not he's not fighting you know what i mean he's he's just doing enough to win so i feel like um I feel like that's going to be his 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 game plan to try to slow me down, hold me down, and try to get into deep waters and then just win the fight by by competitive. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm figuring out. We come up with a couple of strategies to to make him have to fight. Is a is there a concern for you that part of this fight for you may be having to chase him around to get him to engage? Um. He he no, I feel like he's gonna want to stand his ground quite a bit because he's a he's a he's a decent wrestler. He has some explosive uh, explosiveness, and if you watched him in his last fights, whenever the guy was pressing forward, he would um, you know, he would explode him with a big shot, or he'll try to take down to try to mitigate it. And he he wasn't. Uh, I've watched quite a lot of his fights, and he he was struggling uh, when he gets put on his back foot. So I don't think he's gonna be just letting me walk him down. I think he's going to be like challenging me a little bit to try to take that, take that medal for me because of his style. But, um, overall that's, what's going to create him to have to fight. You know what I mean? Like that's going to create him to, to create scrambles where I can start to, to, you know, I can start to fight, you know, as we can start to open up spaces and look for submissions and knock out shots, you know, you know, as we're talking here, we're one week out from the fight. So yeah. is like this, like the longest, like eight days for you of just like, it's like, God damn, I just want fight night to get here. Yeah. So I go through like spurts, you know, like I'll be driving. I was like, man, I want to fuck this guy. I can't wait. And then I'll be like, and then I'll be normal again. Or and then I'll get like super excited again. And then I'll be normal again. Um, but uh, it's weird. I, I remember in my first few fights, you know, I, I would get really nervous. Oh, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? But now I just get, like, super excited. I'm just, like, excited to get in there again, you know, fight in front of the fans again. And it's going to be in California where I have a big fan base. So it's going to have, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have all, all, my, all my friends there. I'm going to have a lot of people watching. And uh, that's just what I'm excited about, to be in front of. You know, I haven't fought in front of a California crowd since uh, it's been long, like almost three years. You know what I mean? So I'm going to have hundreds of people there screaming. So I'm, I'm just so excited, you know. It is is that because obviously we've been in this you know pandemic era of fighting where obviously you had to fight in front of no fans at all essentially like mm-hmm. like do you think it's going to be a little weird at first like when you make that walk and you're like oh crap there's a ton of people here. Yeah, it's kind of, I like it, you know what I mean? Because you can dive off, off them. Like, say, you hit the guy and the whole crowd goes crazy. You dive off that energy. It gives you a, a morale booster, you know what I mean? It, it gives you energy that you didn't have. And also, it's the same vice versa. If you get hit and you hear the whole crowd go crazy, you're like, oh, that gives you that that urge to, to get them back, you know what I mean? So, it, like, even if you're exhausted, you've, you've, you've blo- you know, you've gone a thousand percent you got nothing left in the gas tank and the crowd is going crazy you dig deep and you find that little extra where if there's no crowd like you may not dig deep because it's 
it's it's kind of silent. You know what I mean? So you're just it's just you and your thoughts. So you kind of crumble. But if you hear everyone screaming, it's like okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. You know what I mean? It, it makes me think about we'll end on this. Is your wife the loud family member or is she the quiet family member in the stands? Uh, she's, she's, she's screaming. She's nervous. She's not watching. She's watching. She's on edge the whole entire time. You know, she's screaming. She's yelling at the guys. You know I mean? She's all over the place. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look forward to uh, seeing the matchup here. Bellator 286, of course, October the 1st. Of course, the prelims will be on YouTube. Main card on Showtime. JJ, as always, man, I appreciate time and look forward to seeing the fight, man. Thank you, man. I'm excited. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man we've had on the show before. Of course, he is back inside the Bellator cage. Finally, back inside. They're 10 months away from competition. Mike, man, uh, let's start there, man. Like, uh, the last 10 months, man, what's been going on? Ah, rehabbing my shoulder. You know, I think I think maybe last time we talked, I was, I was telling you uh, – how I think I need to get my shoulder checked out after the fight and, you know, some things were bugging me. So I got it checked out and I, turns out I tore my bicep pretty much when I look back at pictures, you can tell like when I'm doing like this pose in my pictures, you can see a chunk of it's missing, uh, all the way back to my neurogamadoff fight, but I didn't really feel it then. You know, I, I had a pretty major shoulder surgery when I was in college. I blew it, I blew it up bad. And so it has always kind of nagged me, you know, but it just started getting bad my last fight camp. And so I ended up having to fight Moda predominantly orthodox because if I threw my left hand, it felt like it was popping out of place. It started burning real good, you know, so I just used my jab hand and switched my stance and I got lucky. Still got the W opposite stance. In terms of that, uh, the recovery after after you get the work done, was it was it tough for you to not be able to to do the work that you want to do inside the gym? Yeah, it was it was really rough on me actually. It put me through a little bit of a funk. Uh, I've always I've always had a really optimistic outlook on life and always found ways to stay positive. I mean, shit. When I'd been training for like three months, decided that I wanted to be a fighter, and I broke my face and had to get four plates put in it. And I like, it didn't even affect me a little bit, you know, but I'm getting a little bit older. My body doesn't quite heal the same and having a second surgery on the same joint is never ideal, you know? So this rehab process took me a lot longer and I went through, I went through some dark areas, you know, mentally just being like, man, is this ever going to be the same? And things like that but luckily i had a really good team behind me you know my wife supporting me all the people over at Ares helped me with physical therapists and, and coach crouch really making made it easy on me you know he's always reminding me how good i am and what a bright future i have in this sport and you know this is just gonna we're gonna look back at this in two years and it's not even gonna seem like anything like you, you talk about those those dark days that you did have, and, and and I think we hear from athletes all the time. Like, was it was it just going to that inner circle that you had to kind of get you out of those bad thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, ma- mainly my wife. You know, there was times when it, I really hit like kind of a, a block on my progress. I really plateaued there for a little bit, and I wasn't getting certain ranges of motions back. And I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to fight the top guys in the world yeah. with one arm? <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was like, I'm tough enough to keep doing it. And I was like, but, but as far as 
having any sort of physical advantages over these guys that just goes out the window, you know? So I really relied on her and she always did such a great job just keeping me positive, reminding me how hardworking I am and how strong my brain is and how I can persevere through things. So, so yeah, that, that was a big help. I think people don't really, I mean, more people are talking about it now, but I don't want to say I was in a depression. I don't, I don't know. I, I wasn't talking to anybody, but yeah, you know, when you can't get for me, when I couldn't get my heart rate up, all that high, you know, because I can't even do an air bike. I can't run because all that jogging's on it. So it's like, how the hell am I supposed to get my heart rate up? You know, you start getting a little fat. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, could you work out at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, probably, probably about two months in, we were able to start like really start pushing things. And that, that was one of the good things about being over at Aries. He's, he's helped so many guys, uh, who fight in the UFC or fight in Bellator get back from injuries. And so he knew, I mean, I, I left stronger than I came in. Yeah. Like I, I'm just thinking of like, I'm thinking, I'm visualizing me walking into my gym and you talk about, I can't run. So I'm like, okay, so I guess he can't do the treadmill. Okay. You can't yeah. do the elliptical. Okay. So like, obviously you can't lift weights. I'm I like, mean, air stepper, like went on a bunch of hikes, but <laughs> I don't know, man. It, like I need, I need violence in my life and I, and I missed it. <laughs> when I say the name Mark Munoz, what comes to mind? Nicest guy in the world. I have nothing but love for that guy. I, I love Mark. He, he gave me, when I had a short stint in uh, California, you know, we went back to where my wife's from and, uh, we thought she was going to have a job there. Didn't end up working out. We ended up coming back, but I didn't know anybody. And the California MMA scene's real clicky, mm-hmm. you know, like, but he's kind of got their gym. I go here for sparring. I go here for jujitsu. I do this. And I've been used to being at the MMA lab and everything's under one house. Yeah. You know, really I ended up just running a wrestling camp with Munoz that summer. I was one of his camp counselors. And so when I came there, I really relied on him hard and he didn't have to do anything for me, but he got me a job at his kids club. He got me an assistant coaching job, uh, to help his son who Trey Munoz is now stinking stud wrestling for Oregon state, you know? And, and then he was, he was my MMA coach while I was there. And every single time I go back to California, I try to find time to at least grab lunch with them. Yeah. I know she, you had a post and anyone who goes to your Instagram, I mean, Mark's Mark's constantly in the comments. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's awesome, man. And he, I, anybody who's been around him, I'm sure you've talked to him. It's impossible not to love him. He's just happy. He's a, as good of a human being as you can be, and it's it's rare in this sport. And, of course, you got Max uh, Roshkoff here in this matchup. Uh, you know, I, I had a chance to talk to Max a little bit earlier on today, and, you know, I, I think everyone's got perceptions about Max, you know, from that from that one UFC fight. But, like, as you've, you know, you, you put in the tape and you watch him, was there something that stuck out to you? I mean, obviously he has a wrestling background just like you have. Like, I, yeah. I, I mentioned him. I said, I go, you both got both have wrestling backgrounds. Is this going to be a stand-up yeah. fight? Because that, well, that seems to be, when you have that type, it seems like that happens more times than not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you get two you get two wrestlers, and the takedowns end up being a lot harder to get and a lot more energy taxing, and so they end up being a stand-up. But I don't, I don't necessarily really see it be that. I could see it being 15 minutes of us scrambling and doing jujitsu and working out of submissions and, and playing that game, too. And a lot of people write Max off because of that one bad stint that he had. And from the sounds of it, uh, you know, he maybe needs some grace. It sounds like he was going through a rough time mentally, you know, but 
to a certain point, he deserves that grace. But also, like, if you got that in you, it's it's gonna get brought out again. Like things get exposed when you get in that cage. Shit gets tough. You're getting punched in the face. You're tired. You know, just every bad thing that can happen to you can happen to you in there, and your true character will show. And if he's shown that tr- that character already, then I just got to bring it out of him again. I mean, is that part of the mindset of like, if I can push the pace and, and push a high level pace, that that could happen again? Yeah, I mean, and you've seen me do it every single fight. It's kind of what I'm known for. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think slow and pace are two words that people put to your name. Yeah, you know, my, my strength and conditioning coach always tells me that he, he struggles uh, coaching me during during fight camps because he just says I have a lead foot. And so he'll tell me, he's like, yeah, okay, we're going to get on the air bike. And he's like, I want you to go about 70%. You know, we're going to work our way, our way up. And I'm like, ah, that's horseshit. I go, no. <laughs> gonna go balls to the wall and i go and, and we, then we can go from there you know so if you if you're a guy that constantly is tired i'm a nightmare for you is that the hardest thing for you in the gym to kind of tone it back to not go balls to the wall I, yeah but i don't know how to i don't i don't really know how to tone it back and so it ends up affecting me in other areas like then my workout the next morning <laughs> getting out of bed feeling like an old man i gotta get on the foam roller right away you know it, it jacks you up in other areas but i i love that aspect about myself you know and it's it's kind of how i got brought up in this mma world you you look at benson and benson's the same way that dude is an animal <laughs> you know so if that's my my team captain the guy that i'm looking up to you know if the the go to the 155 pound division then Hey, I, I fall in his footsteps. Is going to be all right. As we're talking, Benson fights tomorrow uh, over in Ireland. Like, are you more nervous watching him fight than even you thinking about your own fight? I, I yeah, I hate watching Ben fight, and and you know I, I hate it because he he gets himself in so many stupid situations sometimes because he's so comfortable everywhere, and. And it's just, it just shows the type of like man he is. He never is stressing about anything. He believes in himself. He has the utmost right to believe in himself the way that he does. But yeah, I get, I get a little sick when I get a little sick when any of my teammates fight. I, I would much rather be the one being in there, but I think, I think Benson kills Quayley. I don't think Quayley matches up with him well anywhere. Do you stress out over your own fights? Oh yeah. But I don't stress out over my own fights and almost until the walkout music plays. Like I'm telling you like fight day, I'm cool as a cucumber, eat my breakfast, hanging out with my team, laughing or joking. I'm cracking jokes in the warmups. And then like, they like bring me back in the hallway. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> I was like, I got to do this again. Do you know what the walkout song is going to be uh, next week? Uh, I'm, so I'm still kind of debating between a couple, you know, I've been walking out to queen. I want it all. I really like that one. It's, you know, at his home, I, I do want it all. I want I want the gold belt around me. And I know if I keep on the path that I'm going, that's what's going to happen. But, uh, no, I'm still I'm still debating between a few of them. I, I asked Max the same question. He uh, he mentioned a country, a country song. He goes, but, yeah, people just don't really get excited about country music. No. No, they don't. And I, thought, <laughs> I love from Wyoming. <laughs> but, yeah, that's not the way to turn up the party. So but that's what gets that man, whatever. David Michaud used to walk out to Taylor Swift. <laughs> so you're you're saying that uh, Coach Crouch ain't gonna let you throw on country music inside the lab? Uh, 
he might. I, I'm, I, I am always the one in control of the music. So I guess if I put it on one day, it would, it would be okay. I mean, do you, do you guys get go-to playlist to put on at the gym? Yeah, dude, people are so finicky, man. People, people make such a scene about what they want on. I normally just put on like hip hop radio. If I put on like any of my like dubstep, people are like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, or I put on like Mac Miller and they're like, bro, this is too slow. So I just, I just normally put on like hip hop barbecue. Good to go. Covers, covers people good. Uh, in terms of, uh, this division, um, I, I remember, so I talked to Georgie who's fighting tomorrow and, uh, the conversation of Nurmaga Madoff comes up and yeah. him getting a title shot. Yeah. As someone in the division, what was your thoughts on that? It's stupid, but I mean, you, you see it, you saw it coming a million miles away, right? Like who's he beat? I'm the toughest guy that he's beaten. I'm not even in the top 10. That, <laughs> literally when I kind of had heard that they were going down that route and my, literally my first thought was he hasn't fought He doesn't have any top 10 wins yet. He's getting a title shot. I mean, I, I get the last name. I get all that, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I guess I come from that sporting mentality of like, you, you got to beat the best to get the, to, to fight the best. Yeah. Earn it. Exactly. You know, and, I, he's he's as tough as they come. He he beat me fair and square. I can't I can't say anything about it. He was definitely the better man that night. And the almost the jacked up thing about him getting the title fight, he's gonna win. He's gonna he's gonna beat Pitbull and it's and then, you know, where do you go from there? But I mean maybe that's where we start seeing him, right? Then you start seeing him in five round fights and he has to fight the best people because he's got the belt. So maybe then we see how good he is. Who knows? What would your advice to Patricky been since since you've been in there in the cage with Nurmagomedov? You you got to find a way to stay cool in your own head. His his range is it's so it's so hard to get a hold of. He switches stances really seamlessly, and he does things that most people don't. Most people throw two or three punches at you and end with a kick. He'll throw two or three kicks at you and end with a punch. You know, so defend defending three kicks while you're trying to push forward on him, it's it's really difficult. So, I mean, if you're going to fight him, you got it. You got to get dirty and you got to know you're going to get hit. Like, like when I, when I really started having my most success with him was in the third round and I knew I could eat one to give one and he didn't like that. You know, I could eat a stiff jab and I could land a left overhand, you know, it was something like that. And, and that's when I really saw that he didn't like it and there's eyes changed a little bit. And so I think if you're Pitbull, you, you got to fight him in a phone booth and you, you got to be okay giving up a round or two while you're uh-huh. figuring that out. Is that the hardest thing? Like, I mean, obviously it's hard to do that in a three round fight because of like you give away one round all of a sudden now it's like, man, I can't give away another round, but a five round fight, it's a totally different story. Yeah. You know, and I, I had, I've had one five round fight and it lasted like a minute into the second round. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I've never, I've never really done a five round fight. I'd like, I'd like to say that, but you definitely have more time to be patient. You know, you can give up the first round and a half, and, you know, start trying to pick it up and maybe the judges split the second round one way, but I don't know. I've never been one of those guys that likes that. I want to go win. Every, I want to go win the first round. <laughs> I want to go second round. I want to win the third. I'm, I'm not trying to give up rounds and play the technical of the game. Yeah, you don't get paid by the minute. <laughs> you, do, you know, you get, you get paid regardless, whatever it is. But Mike, man, as always, uh, appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know anything on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah, make sure you're following uh, Magic Mike MMA on Instagram, not the 141 or not the 145. That shit has been hacked for over years and the numbers still go up every time I have a fight. <laughs> I, I, true story. 
I literally, I, I was like, I go on Instagram, I'm searching because I'm like, I, you know, I want to see what's going on with you. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's not the right Instagram. So I hit up Ed. I'm like, hey, Ed, what is the right Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, if you Google my name, that's what pops up too. I've, I've been kind of on Bellator's asses a little bit. I'm like, listen, give me my damn check mark. I say, give me my check mark. All this, all this confusion goes away. So if you know anybody out there, send me that blue check mark. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's going to make his Bellator debut coming up here at Bellator 286. Max, uh, appreciate the time. It has been uh, almost a year since you stepped inside competition. So, like, as you think about the last year for you, how do you describe it? Uh, It's been busy trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, what I'm doing, um, when the next fight's going to be, what I'm doing outside of fighting. data's figuring it out and, you know of course you had those back-to-back wins in, in cage warriors and uh you know there's there's people are gonna have perceptions about you i i think you understand that um is there a perception that people have of you that bothers you no because i only care about what i only care about people who i see on a daily mm-hmm. and i know what their perception is and it's only good. And so that's a good feeling. Uh, everyone else can piss off. What would you want people to know about you? You know, that, you know, they, they've really never maybe had a chance to get to know who you are. Fuck, I guess. That I try to be of service to other people and I have a big heart. In terms of your service, uh, you know, to are you involved in, in charity work or things along those lines? Uh, well, it's hard to be part of charity work when I have thirty dollars in my bank account at all times. Um, but no, just with with my friends and with the kids that I coach, um, I try to give them everything that I have, even if it's not a lot. You know, I, I've talked to other fighters who, who coach kids and, and they'll talk about how it makes them realize how important fundamentals are in, in martial arts. Is, has that been one of your biggest takeaways in, in coaching kids? No, I've known that. I, <laughs> I've known that for a long time. Um, but I think it's helped me with understanding my technique and what I do. Cause when you only, you can know it and you can know how to do it, but you don't really know it unless you can teach someone else how to do it. How much has it taught, taught you patience? Quite a bit, quite a bit. I, I, look, I come from this as my wife's a kindergarten teacher. So I kind of, I, I kind of get where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. And I, I coach some four and five year olds too. So it's that same age range. It's, it's fun, but you also have to be very patient. Like, how does that balance your schedule? I mean, obviously you, you're doing things to, to put money in the bank account with, it, outside of fight camp with, with coaching. And whatnot. How, how do you kind of balance that schedule of, you know, teaching those kids classes, but also, you know, do what you need to do to get ready for a fight. Um, outside of like, like six weeks before I'll start coaching a little bit less, but not a ton less. Um, it's not too bad. I'm, right now, I, I did, after I signed with Bellator, I did I quit my part-time job that I was doing with coaching and training 
And so now I'm just coaching and training. Um, so that's been hard, not necessarily easy, but, uh, just coaching and training's pretty, it's a pretty damn good life and it's pretty easy. They talk about the sacrifices that you have to make as a professional athlete. You know, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear fighters say it's, it comes down to is sometimes it's a social aspect. You know, there, there's, you know, sometimes there, there's some family events or friends events that you can't be involved with. Like, what do you believe is the biggest sacrifices you've made to chase this dream? I left everyone that I've ever known to move out here to Las Vegas. I didn't know anyone when I moved out here. Left all my best friends, my family, my brother, my mom to come out here and and do what I'm doing. Um, other than that, I wouldn't say I make sacrifices. I don't, um, I'm not a drinker. I don't party. I've never been in any of that stuff. So like, not going out on the weekends is what I'd rather do. Mm-hmm. I don't have to sacrifice that. I don't like that shit. So it's, I don't think I've had to sacrifice, um, as much as, um, other people think they do, but, um, I've definitely sacrificed, you know, training to have a full-time career and something else. Uh, and then being away from all my friends and family back home. I mean, so when you're not in a gym, would you kind of classify yourself as a homebody? Yes. So, so you know, in terms of getting your mind off the fight game when you're just chilling at home on a, a weekday night, like, how do you get that mind off the fight game when, when you're just kind of chilling? Right now, well, I just got done watching Vikings on Hulu. That was maybe better than Game of Thrones. Uh, and now I'm watching House of the Dragon now. Um, but, you know, after a long day of training and coaching, it's kind of a little, I mean, sometimes it's hard to wind down, but normally at the end of the day, I'm pretty damn tired and I just want to go to sleep. And with this matchup here, you got Mike Hamill. Um, I'm very familiar with Mike, you know, trains down there at the lab in Arizona. What's your take on his abilities and what are you expecting to see out of him? Um, I haven't watched him fight. Um, I've looked at his record and then I know he wrestled in college. And I know they trained at the lab. Um, I know some of the guys that train at the lab. I haven't talked to them in a long time, but I've trained with some of those guys there. Um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's going to be a tough opponent. And I think that because of, I know how tough he is. I think that makes me the most excited I've been for a fight so far in my career. Is that a typical thing with you that you don't watch your opponent's um, film? Yep. Any reason why that is? Uh, I really just only want to focus on what I am going to do and what I am capable of. And I think watching the film is, is great for like, if you want to be aware of like something very, like a fight ending thing, Mm -hmm. if there's something they have a good, check left hook or they have a good guillotine or whatever you want to watch that to understand where the danger could happen unexpectedly so fight i want to know about fight ending stuff but Uh i don't watch that my coaches watch it if there's any technique that could be fight ending right then and there done i want to know about that but i don't watch it my coaches do but other than that 
I don't want to watch because I want to try to focus more on reading and reacting when I'm fighting, not thinking about what he's going to do. I mean, is that more, you would say your fight style is more of a, a read react as opposed to some, you know, some fires just go in there with a straight up game plan. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of people go in there with this straight game plan. Um, for whatever reason, my coaches, I know they'll game plan with other fighters. Mm -hmm. They don't do it with me. I think it's for a reason, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Now, is this a mentality you've always had as a martial artist or was there a a turning point in terms of, of why you're in, into this mindset? Always been that way. You know, in wrestling, you show up and you wrestle who's in front of you, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Whoever's next in the bracket, first round, second round, third round, fourth round, you wrestle whoever's in front of you. So you can't look too far ahead. Is your expectation that this is a fight that's primarily going to play out on the feet? I mean, it could. Mm-hmm. I don't have any expectation for how it's going to go. It very well could. Fires talk about expectations. Like they think about how they're going to win the fight. What not? You don't. Yeah, you don't really have that. Um, I hate the constant regurgitation of the same shit from every fighter. Okay. Like, oh, I feel good. This is the best training camp I've ever had. I work harder. My body's healthier. I expect a finish in this round. It's like you're just talking the talk. I I think they're lying when they say that. I. I would know what to expect if I had trained with him before, but I have not. Or if I had fought him before, I have not. I have no idea. Now, a term we hear is visualization. How people say, this is how I visualize the fight going down. Is that, is that just not in your, in your mindset? No, because you only hear about when the visualization works. You never hear about it when it doesn't work. <laughs> That's very true. When people are like, oh, I visualized it and it happened. Those are the ones you hear. You There's a lot more of the visualization not working than it actually working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. when things don't go right, you normally don't hear anything about that. Um, final thing, what's the walkout song? Oh, shit. I don't know. I've thought about it. Um Like, do you go through like the Spotify playlist to try to find something that you're just vibing to it at this part of your life? Yeah. Um, I've mixed it up. My last two were country songs. Um, cause I really, I love country. Like I train the country. I put country on when I work out. Like I love it, but that doesn't get no one going, I guess. So I gotta, it's probably going to be. Michael Myers Halloween. Okay. Now you mentioned about you like the country, but maybe the gym guys don't like it. So do you not put country on in the gym? Uh, we did yesterday when we wrestled, everyone was pissed. Everyone's complaining. And I was like, you don't hear me complaining every single day that I don't like it. <laughs> and then I have this, it's, uh, I mean, it's not a theory. I think it's a hundred percent true, but you know, like you ever heard of like farm strength? Yes. It comes from the music, not from the work. That's what it comes from. So I think it, I think it increases your testosterone and makes you stronger. So that's why I trained to it. 
Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that's back inside the Bellator cage here, Bellator 2A6. Lance, man, as always, uh, appreciate the time. You know, I'm on your Instagram, and it, it made me think about, you know, obviously you're you're a family of martial arts. Where does fishing come into the equation of uh, that being your hobby outside of fighting? You know, uh, my grandpa, sorry, these guys are talking really loud. Um, my grandpa, he was a, a longtime fisherman. He was actually from Toronto, Ontario. Uh, Ron Gibson, he's taught me how to fish since I was like four years old. So along with, with fighting with martial arts, obviously I started martial arts when I was two, started fishing when I was four. And, uh, yeah, we just really got back into it, uh, probably in 2014. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a weekly tradition for sure. So do you have a favorite fish to go, uh, try to catch? Um, yeah, well, uh, in British Columbia, we have like our, any of our Pacific salmon species, those are all amazing, but the prime one to, to catch is Chinook salmon or uh King salmon. They say, uh, it's named in the United States. Uh, they fight so hard and they're just fresh, beautiful, strong fish. Uh, and then as for eating lingcod, it's probably my favorite. They're pretty ugly, but they're, they taste so good. So is there ever a time where your dad has to go, Hey junior, you need to get in the gym. You need to get off the boat. <laughs> no, no, we actually, we try to make our, our, we make our training work around. So on our fishing days, we'll train early in the morning and then get out there a little later, which it's better when you're out early fishing, but we'll, we'll train early and then, and then get out there or we'll, We'll uh, train early, get out there, come back and train, or we just we'll we'll work around it. <laughs> like like so, how does this dynamic work with you and your dad? Obviously, he's your dad, but he's also your coach. Yeah. So like, is there kind of like once you, once we enter in the gym, that that relationship is is fire coach is not dad and son. You know, it's pretty. It's pretty. He's he's awesome. He he does a freaking really good job. He lets me be me because. I mean, he's the one that's taught me. I've learned his system since since I was a kid. I've watched his system since I was a kid, so I kind of know exactly what he he wants, and I, I listen well to as well. Uh, and sometimes I have my own ideas, and he's open to letting me be who I am as well. And I, that's important as a as a fighter. If you if you need to be able to ex, uh, experiment and do stuff yourself as well but also be humble enough to listen to your to your coaches yeah i think no matter what someone does for a living we kind of we, we find this uh of figuring out who we are and and how we can evolve I me mean, but you're still i mean you've been training for all your life but it, overall in terms of a pro fighter you're still very young in the sport like do you feel like you've kind of found who you want to be or, or do you think that's kind of something that evolves every fight it definitely evolves every fight i still feel like i'm I'm getting like, I'm really improving and, and leaping and bounds each time with experience. I get to show the world, uh, different, like different facets of my game, but I, I feel like I'm still growing in the sport and I'm getting better and better every time to where I'm going to be when I'm championship quality people, I'm going to be a problem to deal with for sure. Now you were originally supposed to take on Chris uh, Avila. However, that fight's yeah. no longer happened. Now you're, you're taking on Dominic Clark. How did did that alter how your your preparations at all? 
Uh, it altered uh, my uh, prepar- prepar- my mental preparations, I would say, because obviously with Chris Avila being the Diaz camp and stuff, I had to prepare for all the different antics and stuff. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So that was like a mental preparation, you know, stay, keeping your cool in, in the fire and all that stuff. Uh, that's what I was really meant to preparing for. But now I just get to focus on me and, and uh, my skills. And yeah, so it was a little bit of an adjustment, but more so a mental adjustment for sure. Is there anything that you want to prove to yourself in this matchup? Um, You know, I think... I'm really hard on myself. I don't like to be, but I'm really hard on myself. I think every time I'm, I'm like, I got something to say about what I've done. And I think everybody else is like, man, you did awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm better than that. But I don't want to be like that because that does hold me back at the same time. But, uh, I'm open to just using my full range of skills at the end of the day. That's, that's the only thing I want to prove to myself is, I'm not in here to just box. I'm not in here to just wrestle. I'm here to do mixed martial arts. And not many people do that. And this game can show you how I can show you an art form in a sport because that's what it, it is at the end of the day. Being able to utilize everything is, I feel, a lot more impressive than just being able to box. So that's one thing that I, I think might be cool. Here, here you talk there, maybe kind of wonder, do you think you, would you classify yourself as a perfectionist? Yes, in a way, but I, I'm trying to get away from that <laughs> because I, I know it. I know that part still holds me back a, a tiny bit from being who I really am. So I have to like. Uh, so I'm not comparing myself to the greats, but you look at Kobe Bryant. You would say he's a perfectionist for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, rest in peace, Kobe. Obviously, but um, he, he's a pe- perfectionist for sure. But at the same time, he I believe he allows himself to make mistakes in order to improve. And those mistakes are, are what allows him to be uh, as great as who, who he is. So yeah, I think there's a fine line to it. Do you look at other athletes in other sports and try to see how they look at, at, at their sport and maybe go, I think I can incorporate that into what I do on a day in day out basis. Yeah. I definitely like to take little gems from each each sport, obviously any, any greats in any sport, like obviously Muhammad Ali and boxing. Uh, you look at LeBron James, you look at so many different athletes. They're all amazing. And, uh, they have tons of gems and they, it's important that you, you learn from them and you, you utilize what you can. Uh, there's a quote by Miyamoto Musashi who was a famous samurai saying, uh, well, basically just being able to use everything within the universe. You want to be able to take, take things from other areas and uh, implement it into your game so that you become a more uh, well-rounded or, or, or uh, more wise, I guess I would say in, in the sport. Of course you're, you're heading to the gym. Let's just say they let you put the music on in the gym tonight. What's going on the speakers? Yeah. You know, I've been, uh, well, I always listen to reggae, but, uh, I'm, I've been listening to all like roots reggae from like the eighties, uh, and the nineties. That's, that's probably my favorite just cause it's not too, it, it's not too hardcore, uh-huh. but it's also like, I love them. I love the lyrics and I love the, the rhythm of it. So that's probably my favorite right now. Yellow man, uh, 
and uh, Chocodemus and Pliers. Those guys are awesome. So, yeah. A little bit of Damian Marley. Bob Marley, too. So, that's my favorite. <laughs> Is that maybe a little preview what the walkout song might be? You know, yeah. It's it's kind of in that realm. Uh, I don't usually change my walkout song. I usually walk up to the same one every time. But I think uh, this time I, I got a new one coming. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to tune in uh, to see what that, yeah, that yeah. new walkout song is. Uh, Lance, as always, man, I appreciate time and uh, look forward to seeing the matchup, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And that was my conversations with Trey Ogden, J.J. Wilson, Mike Hamill, Max Roshkoff, and Lance Gibson Jr. Uh, you know, going back on the Trey Ogden interview, the, the, probably the biggest takeaway is just kind of him talking about uh, you know how he felt really his feints and and what he was doing defensively really threw off Daniel Zahorber in that matchup and I mean look he was a 3-1 betting favorite in that one if and if you laid some money on Trey Ogden man kudos to you for being able to do that then JJ Wilson to me it's got to be about the move down the American top team he got he is a, a training at a gym down in South Florida got a a job uh as an instructor at a gym in South Florida and training at American top team so it'll be interesting to kind of see what type of differences do we see from JJ Wilson there on Saturday night then uh Mike Hamill obviously the big takeaway to me has to be about the fact of the bicep injury that he had the surgery that he had and being 10 months away uh and then Max Roshkoff was that was a an interview I was really looking forward to. And the reason being is I was just kind of interested to hear how he would describe things and really that perception versus reality. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, you, you know, when he fights, you know, coming up this weekend, this upcoming weekend, that there is going to be a lot of people that are going to have a lot of questions about him and about what he can offer after what we saw uh, in his one UFC fight. You heard Mike Hamill basically allude to the fact that he truly does feel that maybe if he if he can really push that pace hard, that maybe Max Roscoff's not going to be able to handle that. And then a final interview, Lance Gibson Jr. Um, outside of the fishing part of that conversation, I think probably to me the other interesting part was the dynamic between him and his dad inside the gym there. And I mean, look, Lance Gibson Jr. is a guy that um, I, I truly do feel this is a guy that's probably going to start fighting top 10 competition here in the very near future. So uh, appreciate all those fighters coming on this edition of the show. Of course, a great way to show your support for the MMA Report podcast rating and review. That truly does help me out a lot as well, whether you listen to this on Apple, Spotify, or maybe if you uh, you know watch some of the videos that we put over on the YouTube channel, if you can uh, check out that, you know, hit that subscribe button, like button, all that. That really does help me a lot as well. Of course, uh, next episode of the podcast will come out on Wednesday as myself and Daniel Galvan will start taking a look at what's going to happen this upcoming weekend in the MMA. Of course, you've got the UFC and Bellator both with fight cards on Saturday. Uh, the Bell, the UFC fight card will be headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Yan Janan. Uh, key matchup there in the women's 115 pound division. Uh, also, you know, you look at some notable fighters that are going to be on that card. Randy Brown, Francisco Trinaldo. That'll be your co-main event there in the UFC welterweight division. And of course, 
Bellator, Bellator 286 will be in California, headlined by Pitbull and Borax. Of course, that'd be for the uh, Pitbull defending his 145-pound title. AJ McKee moving up to the lightweight division to take on Spike Carlisle. Um, Aaron Pico, Jeremy Kennedy, that's that's a great matchup. Uh, Archuleta Barzola, that's another good matchup as well. And really, the Bellator fight card, a really nice fight card they got there on Saturday. So a ton of MMA action we're going to be able to take in. Coming up uh, this upcoming weekend, of course, this weekend it has been a uh, a slow weekend. Just having Bellator and you know nothing, no UFC this week. One of those one of those rare weeks where we don't have any UFC events. Which um, you know, it's, sometimes it's it's a nice little break to have. I'll, I'll tell you that I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, enjoying uh, you know my Saturday evening as I'm actually you know recording this here on, on Saturday afternoon as I've been preparing, uh, putting this show here together today. But do appreciate taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Of course, next episode will come out on Wednesday. You can hear that on your favorite podcasting platform and RadioInfluence.com.